2: We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Welcome back. Shana Goldman's with us from the Athletic Big Trade in the NHL last night. Pittsburgh acquiring uh, Emil Bemstrom in exchange for and a pick, by the way, in exchange for Alex Nylander. So Nylander is now a Columbus Blue Jacket, but true to form, he won't be helping the Sabres tonight. He is not dressing for Columbus. (laughs) So it's a fascinating story. As little as Alex has produced, what I don't understand here is the fact that when Pittsburgh was without a general manager in the offseason, Alex Nylander got signed by the Penguins. And I'm like, who did the deal? And then now Columbus, who doesn't have a general manager, acquired Alex (laughs) Nylander. I'm like, who's making these deals? Like, what (laughs) what is going on here? So anyway, have at it, Marty. Lead the way for Shana. I just had to get that one out there. Uh,
3: Well, no, it's a hard uh, act to follow. But Shana, I know we're going to talk goaltending again because (laughs) it's like it's... uh, it's unexpected. The world of goaltending is uh, is unexpected. One day they're great, one day they're bad. The is back to being like the great Igor Shisterkin. Like so two games before the All-Star Break and By Week. The game after the All-Star Break and By Week was supposed to be like its schedule. We're gonna give Jonathan quick all this time to play. Igor is gonna rest. He's five and oh in the last five games, given up ten goals in five games, He's got a nine forty-seven save percentage. He is looking like himself. Um is 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 this a little bit of the, let's uh, calm down with the conspiracy theorist that Jonathan Quick is the number one guy in New York now?
4: Yeah, through that entire situation, I couldn't help but roll my eyes every time I heard controversy discussed because, and, and questions yeah. like, should Jonathan Quick start game one of the playoffs? The answer is a wholeheartedly, no, it was <laughs> never going to be yes, unless somehow Shesterkin fell off the face of the earth and became the worst goalie in the world. It was never going to happen. Yeah. I like the strategy of giving him a, a longer rest, right? Because you look at teams around the league, we saw that with Colorado, like they felt like Georgiev just needed a reset and they've struggled with their second and third goalies throughout the year. Just give them the complete night off. You know, let him kind of reset and do what he needs to do. Let the team kind of figure out what they look like without him. I think it's for the best. And you look at what Chester has done since the all-star break, and it's really great. I know we can point to the outdoor game and say, but his numbers were bad there. I literally wish we could just strike those from the record sometimes yes. because I feel like for a goaltender, the sight lines have to be so bad. The glare, I don't know why they happen in daytime at all. hmm so I don't, I don't want to hold that one against him. But you look at his numbers and it's like game after game, it's like this is his best game of the season. Oh, this is his second best game of the season. I think last night was, you know, top five for him. You just are seeing him get round out back to form. And that's what this team needs to succeed.
2: Rangers are on a nine-game winning streak right now. But we were just mentioning in the first half of the show the number of other teams in the Eastern Conference that are formidable and or red hot. Who would you think would match up well and perhaps beat, maybe even beat uh, handily, the New York Rangers. Who do you like in the East right now?
4: Um, I, I feel like the Canes would be a tough matchup for them. It feels like they're the two teams obviously have their number you know, pretty well, and the Rangers have a lot of power play success. The Hurricanes are a really good penalty-killing team, and it just feels like we've seen their forecheck suffocate the Rangers before, even this year in their matchups earlier this season. That's kind of it for the Metro teams for me, in all honesty, because every every single other team, you can look at their flaws. A team like the Pittsburgh Penguins has all the skill in the world. Their penalty, uh, their power play is so oh. bad. And you compare that to the Rangers, like that's your momentum swinger right there that decides a series. The Islanders can't hold a lead. The Rangers are actually pretty good at coming back in games when they're terrible for 40 minutes. You know, the Devils were seeing a lot of flaws in their game. And not, not that everything in a playoff series relies on the power play. I know I keep referencing it, but you look at You know, the goaltending there, the fact that they can't finish their chances and the fact that their power play has been such a disaster over the last, you know, month or two. That's another strike against them. So for me, the team that can really give the Rangers trouble in the Metro, at least, would be the Hurricanes. I think Mm -hmm. Florida would be a headache for them. And I could see Boston being one, too.
3: Hey, how
2: much should we talk about Florida, Marty, after last night? I mean, we don't know anything Mm -hmm. because Paul Maurice said day to day. But when you lose Gus Forsling, underrated standout yeah. performer on the blue line for Florida and Matthew Kachuk on a wickedly solid hit from Svechnikov. I mean, talk about a hold your breath kind of day for Florida.
3: No. Uh, mm. Yeah, I would think so too, but not only that is Sam Reinhardt stuck at 39 now and he was so <laughs> hot. So he passed on a empty netter in Buffalo to get to 40 and he's still stuck at 39. Um, yeah, I think Florida is fine. I think they're still one of the best team in the East and in the league right now, uh, in my opinion. And then these guys will be back. Um, you know, a team that was the cream of the crop, though, Shana, was the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and Duffer kind of laid it out in the first half of the show saying Buffalo's 11 points behind Tampa. They have two games in hand. They play two games against the Tampa Bay Lightning. You win those four games that you have. All of a sudden you're three points behind Tampa. Is Tampa such a mess right now that they are in danger of
4: not making the playoffs this year. Nikita Kucherov is not letting that happen this year. He is playing next level hockey. And you see in his minutes, the swings of offense when he isn't, isn't on and is on the ice and is on the bench is so insane this year. Um, there's there's definitely some reason for concern in Tampa, right? You have the Sergachev injury, and I, I know Sergachev hasn't handled his matchup minutes well, but the big picture is yeah. his placement in the lineup is huge for someone like Victor Hedman, who has been just dragged through the mud this year with his usage, and now even more so. Yep. For me, I look at Tampa and say, if you don't figure out a way to add, you're going to be in trouble. I think they need at least one more defenseman, and I thought that before the Sergachev injury. Now they Man. have the money to make it happen. So Lori got
2: hurt last night on the blue line. Chernak didn't play, I believe, so yeah, they're thin like it's yeah it's it's really 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 tough
4: and they wouldn't have to be so thin if maybe they didn't sign that Chernak contract and it's the one I look at and I keep saying <laughs> I get the Sorelli deal at the time I understood the circuit deal when they uh sign that Chernak deal you go that is the co- kind of contract that is not going to age well based on his playing mm-hmm. style and you see it the injuries constantly you know I understood moving Ryan McDonough but at what cost
2: yeah yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, I think Buffalo's seen enough of Chernak to know that it <laughs> would probably rather. Paulina's seen enough of Chernak. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Um, also last night, the Western playoff race, um, how are you viewing this? I mean, hey, Marty, I saw last night, like, Jordan Bennington is closing in on uh, your old favorite, Mike Leut for mm-hmm. franchise wins lead in St. Louis history. Um, so you got the Blues playing better, um, Nashville wins, Seattle wins, Calgary wins. Shayna, how are you unsorting that mess in the West?
4: So, start the Blues, because they're at the top. Um, Jordan Bennington has been one of the best goalies in the league in the month of February. Uh, and their shooting is so accurate right now, but I have so many concerns at five on five. I think it's great and wonderful that their top line is thriving, right? That is the best thing for them. That Jordan Cairo is playing at the level that's expected of him, but I think Pavel Vushnovich is raising his trade value every day and he's the piece to move to really push this process along. I think you still have to just be honest because if you make that second wildcard seed, who are you going up against? Is it going to be Vancouver? Wouldn't want that matchup. Uh, is it going to be Colorado, Winnipeg, Dallas? I just look at it for St. Louis and go, you are the worst team, no matter who you go up against. And I just don't see an upset potential there. So for me, enjoy the results, but do what you need to <laughs> do off the bandaid. I <laughs> know that's harsh. Uh, 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 um, uh, uh. But the one that's interesting, to, there's two that stand out to me. We got to talk Minnesota. We got to talk Seattle. Seattle's in a unique position because I don't think they have to sell. They have enough assets. Um, They've really done a good job, you know, not spending to this point and also just recouping assets when they felt they could the first year but they don't need to do anything. they don't need to move Jordan Everly. Really. it's not going to kill him to keep a pending UFA and you look at how Beneers is picking up the pace offensively yeah. and how good he's been defensively yeah. and how good Jared McCann has been and Joey Decord you ride that wave I think and try to make it because they give me more disruptive potential than a team like St. Louis and maybe it's how they play but for me I'm like you go for it Minnesota has been outstanding at five-on-five this last month after being pretty mid the entire year. And yes, they are a very top-heavy team, and that top line of Kaprizov, Boldy, and Eriksson Ek puts all your best players together, but they are absolutely killing it in their minutes. I think they have a 65% expected goal share, plus Mm. those three are just crushing it on the power play that you're like, okay, like I'm interested. I think you're going to end up in the middle no matter how you shake out if you're the Wild, and they box themselves in here. But I think that they can make things a little bit more interesting. So those are the two teams I would say one of them is going to get that second wild card seed. I don't think it's going to be anyone else.
3: Well, you mentioned that, that playoff race and UC Soros. Um, there's 92 goalies that have played in the National Hockey League this year at least one minute. Um, usually you don't have to scroll down too far to see UC Soros name and the stats and the goal save above expectation. Gotta go down to about number 70 out of 92 to see UC Soros right now. Um, he Savage, anything in Nashville for the rest of the year? He played really good last night, but is is that too inconsistent for him the way that he's played this year?
4: Yeah, he's been so inconsistent. You look at his numbers, and if you go month-to-month, month, you go December. He was one of the best goalies in the league, right? It was him and Connor Hellenbuck, and then January, February, he just completely trialed off, which you don't expect from him. The one thing the Predators can take solace in is that he's had these streaks before and found his footing at the right time. You think of the year... They played against, I think it was like a bubble year and it was something funky. Um, no, Carolina. the year after, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was Carolina. And mm-hmm. they were out of the playoff race. And then UC Soros had a two-month tear, was unbelievable. <laughs> he had, I think he saved like 30 goals above expected in two months, and it wiped out how far in the negatives he was in the first half of the first three quarters of the season to bring him into the positives year wide. Like it was so nuts, and he did that. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you can feel a little confident in that. But if you're Nashville, I mean, you have to look at the big picture and go: Are we going to be good in his prime? You know, are we selling low if we move him now? Is this an off-season move? Like, move? like, there's so many questions because we don't we don't see top goalies get moved very often, especially a year removed from one of the best seasons in the analytics era ever.
2: Right. Now, the only footnote that we keep reiterating there is the recent first-round pick in Askarov, the fact that his team in Milwaukee has now won 18 straight in the AHL. Another road shutout for Askarov yesterday. He's got five shutouts since December 23rd. He has not lost since before Christmas. It is truly remarkable what's happening there. How much will that impact what Nashville does in the crease and with Saros and and all that moving forward? I feel terrible that we're 46 minutes into the show, and I didn't ask... Ask anybody check in on Nate Bastion this morning?
4: Oh my god, his his poor face. That yeah. I, how he returned to the game, I don't know. And I know Truba hits him and he felt like he had to react, but like, man, stand down. Let someone else take that yes. one for you. I would stand not I'd be down. like, why are you not wearing a bubble? <laughs> like, first of all. Put on a cage, put on a bubble, that looks rough enough and it probably feels rough enough. Mm. At that point, do you not feel anything? I don't know. When he got hurt initially, I wasn't even sure if it, obviously the face. You saw the nose is bleeding and is swelling. It almost looked like he injured his collarbone. The way he went down was so awkward. I was surprised he didn't. So I really didn't think I'd see him back in the game. But um, just take take a couple days off and relax. Like, just repair yourself. Get yourself in a little bubble. Full body bubble if you want to go. Just the face mask bubble. Whatever you have to do.
3: So when he decided to jump uh, Jacob Truba from behind after getting hammered by Truba, I think that's when the concussion spotter was like, we got to check this guy out. Like, this is not <laughs> normal reaction. Nobody is sane mind would react that way. Uh, but you're, you're absolutely right. Like when he got hammered, first of all, the blood's gushing from his nose and he's laying down like he wants to take a nap on the ice. At that moment, somebody's got to remove him from the ice.
2: Yeah. yeah. Hey, and uh, tip of the cap to Connor Garland for hanging in there and taking some bombs from Tanev in that Vancouver-Seattle game as well. Oh, yeah. A lot of body blows in that one, but still pretty big size mismatch as well. Shana, have a great weekend. Thank you again, as always. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next week, Shana. And of course, we're back after this on Sabers Live.